Hi, I am Patricia Schaefer, President of the Compassionate Friends Queensland. True Grief is a podcast of honest conversations about our experience with grief through the loss of a child. We hope this podcast creates opportunities for our listeners to have their own conversations and helps you to feel less isolated in your journey. This podcast is for entertainment purposes as we are not qualified counselling professionals. We are a peer support group. If you feel the need to speak to someone after listening to our conversations, please contact our national helpline on 1300 064 or ring Lifeline on 131114. Well, this is the True Grief Podcast number five. My name is David Murray. Today we're going to be presenting an old conversation I had with Adrian Holmes from Scattle. In this we discuss the tools for hard conversation concept. As we know as grieving families have lost a child, problems never go away. Things happen. We have difficulties within our families and within our friendship groups and in some ways we need to be able to talk about these quickly to allow the problems to be solved more efficiently because we all know we are very tender and easily upset so we're hoping this conversation will help you with just a few tools for them difficult conversations that we discuss with the siblings and parent and maybe help you in your wider life I hope you enjoy the conversation. Thank you. Right, today I'm with Adrian Holmes from Scattle and Tools for Hard Conversations. Adrian used to be a social worker that he's moved into counselling, into some quite difficult areas of counselling. Adrian, can you tell us a little bit, a bit, little bit about your work as a social worker and then your move into counselling? Yeah, for sure. Hi, David. Hi. So, yeah, I, I um, worked for several years as a um, child safety officer. Um, with the Department of Child Safety. Um, yeah, I started there. I suppose I wanted to move into more social work areas um, and doing therapeutic work, and I thought it was the best place to get some real hands-on, fairly intense experience. Um, so I predominantly worked with families um, trying to reunify their children to them, so they'd been removed for whatever reason, drugs, alcohol, um, domestic violence, all sorts of different issues that they'd come in with. And then um, I was working sort of therapeutically with them to try and get their kids back home. And then that had me, you know, sort of moving more into therapeutic work and counselling. So it was almost a natural progression. You felt like you were part of your social work and job really was to be a counsellor. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, my goal, if I'm being honest, was to become a counsellor. And I saw doing that kind of work, that case management kind of work with families as one of the most, I mean, child safety work is really full on, you know, you're working with a lot of very complex issues. Um, and I saw that as a way to really um, grow my skills, if you like, in having hard conversations, um, and then to be able to transition that into more of what I do now, which is um, therapeutic counselling conversations. Were you ever surprised 
with the social working on the sadness or the tragedy that you had to face? Did it ever, were you surprised? I know you got into social working, were your sort of eyes opened to a world perhaps that you'd imagined or read about, but then when you experienced it, it was, it was quite confronting. Well, it's funny that you ended with that word. That's, I wouldn't say I was surprised. I'd say I was very confronted by it numerous times, like almost daily sometimes, um, particularly in the first period. Yeah, I mean, I grew up um, a relatively very privileged life. Um, I certainly wasn't aware of child safety a lot in my own childhood. Um, and as I got into it more... Um, yeah, I realised how sheltered I'd been from it. I remember a funny story. One of my colleagues um, shared one day that she'd been at a barbecue and had said to somebody had asked her what she does and she'd said, oh, I work for child safety and their response was, are they the people who do the pool fences? And she said, no, 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 it's totally different to that. And they, and they honestly didn't even know, and a lot of people don't even know what it is. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I was... I wouldn't say I was in that category because I'd studied in the area, but until you're doing it, of course, it's very confronting to, to be there with uh, people. I've got a mate uh, who works for the police force. I, I know quite a few police officers who've worked in the child safety arena. And he said it's when he's with... Sometimes he sits, sits out and looks at the neighbours all playing with the kids. Mm. And he thinks, once they ask me what I do for a job, I can't talk about any aspects of my job no. because this is obviously there's there's cases there will mm. be cases ongoing plus just the morality and soul searching that he has to do has had to do over the years to sort of do the job he can't but he feels like he can't burden others with that he feels like it's almost like what do you do for a job yeah can we not talk about it yeah and then yeah I don't I, know I that, mean, do you find that oh most definitely I just didn't tell people I would say I was a uh... Uh, public servant is what I would write down on forms when I would tell people. I mean, of course, my closer friends knew. I remember when I got the job, um, I was really excited. I'd, I'd been really pushing and I got it in the area that I wanted it, like geographical area. And I was absolutely over the moon. And I went to a barbecue that weekend with a really good friend of mine and he had some family there. And as I came in, they said, he said, oh, congrats, mate, on your new job and all that. I'll never forget it. And his family was sort of sitting around the table and they said, oh, what's the new job? And, and very, you know, naively, I said, oh, it's with child safety as a, as an officer. And they were like, oh, my God, keep him away from our kids. You know, get away, get away. And they were, it felt like they were only kind of half joking. Like I'd never met them before. They had all their kids around at this barbecue. And that, you know, it was a real learning curve for me to sort of absolutely, like your friend, be very careful they feel shared. like they're being judged. I think I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what it is. Totally. It's, it's strange. It's a strange thing. And, well, you're and... an authority. I mean, you are positioned as an authority, and whether you want that or not, you've got to work with people, talk with people in ways that sort of minimise that power dynamic that can be at play. Yeah, I just think as well. I think humanity's maybe it's the, the, the guilt inside themselves for perhaps not being the most wonderful parents ever. I don't, I don't know what it is. It's, yeah. it's strange because when I talk, everyone has an opinion on teachers. Yeah, and, and it's fine because everyone's been to school. 
and they've probably got kids that go to school. So it's that it's it's a world they can interface with, yeah. and everyone's got some some sort of you know. It's like who's it? It Ken Brockman. Everyone's got the two cents <laughs> from the Simpsons on teaching. It's fair enough, you know. Yeah. Uh, and it's uh, sometimes you just thought, oh, I don't want to tell them this. Is what I do, no. you know? It just, well, it's uh, very loaded. Like you know, when you're talking about kids, um, you know, even the words child safety. Everyone's going to have an opinion on that, on what's okay and what's not okay. And it's a hugely emotive thing. I mean, we were talking before about being confronted by it. I was confronted by having to work with people about, you know, the most important thing in their world for most of them, which was their children. So it wasn't heroin. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that might have taken over for a time, but every parent I ever work with, no matter how bad in inverted commas they were on the referral form, they, you know, they were trying to be the best parents they knew how to be. And when I talk about being confronted, probably the thing I was most confronted by was the, you know, cyclical nature of, um, of like every parent I worked with had had trauma in their own lives or they'd been kids in care or whatever it might be. So, yeah. yeah I, I think it's with these things as the parents as well. You... That was a little joke there about the heroin. Yeah, um, yeah, it, it was my. Uh, uh, I, I, I should tell me a cold turkey joke. <laughs> another time, but um, it's it's one of the things is, is as a parent, you are gonna let your kids down. Ultimately, to be, I think, to be a good parent, you have to be a hypocrite. Now, there's levels of hypocrisy, of course, mm. and there's certain do's and don'ts. But at the end of the day, most kids love the mums and dads. I want to be and want to be with them, yeah, and absolutely. and you know I've got friends, I've got friends who've who've suffered, you know, so sort of child abuse, and they still love the mum, still love the dad, and very was the dad, you know, but they still they still love them, yeah. and I think it's it's one of them things, it's 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 a very emotion, you know, it's it's a very fraught thing. Anyway, moving on to that, what does Scattle do? So Scattle is a uh, not for profit child and family counselling service. Um, we predominantly work with people going through what we call life-changing experiences. So SCADL actually stands for, it's the longest acronym I've ever come across in the human services, stands for Supporting Kids and Teens Through Life-Changing Experiences. We've gone away from that name a little bit because we mainly do family work, not just with kids and teens. We work with the whole family. That's what makes us really unique. Um, And... Yeah, we, we work with a lot of people going through life-changing experiences like, you know, grief and loss, like loss of a parent or a child, um, separation and divorce, um, people who've, we work with, you know, people who've moved, schools, things like that that can be really disruptive for young people, all kinds of challenging behaviours that um, parents might be dealing with or, <laughs> or that the kids might be dealing with of their parents. Um, yeah, we do a really wide sort of range of family work. See, the the podcast is called Radar and Reality, and I think what's interesting about your job is the people that come and see you, the clients, invariably are bumped into reality or a chunk of reality that they just can't navigate, yep. can't get past. Sure. And as much denial that they want to bring to it in their own minds, and we all do that, yep. they cannot get past this. Yep. Huge event that's occurred in their life. Yep. And obviously kids, depending on how they're being brought and the personality types, we're gonna have a little chat about personality type later. Okay. Is um 
some things are going to find harder than others, but some, 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 there's some monumental changes that go on in yeah. kids' lives. I taught a kid back in the UK. I remember his dad died. And I was amazed by how this kid, I always remember him, he only lived down the road from me, and I, I was amazed by how he was dealing with it. And I think I, I, I mean, I'll probably get into trouble now these days, but uh, I give him a lift home because it rains a lot in England. I give him a lift home in the car. Sometimes they say, Are you all right? You're speaking to anyone. And it, was kind of, it always amazed me how the, the school didn't, or the rest, it was almost this kid's dad's died, but let's mm. not, let's just get on with it. Let's, yep. uh, it was just odd. And the kid, to a certain extent, took his cues from those around him. Yeah. And he did get on with it. Uh, he was a nice kid, you know, mm. a normal, nice kid living in the inner city, an English city, in the in, in city. So they've got an edge to them, but they're mm. basically good souls. And yeah, I always felt really sorry for him. But yeah, I don't. Yeah. I, you know, he somehow he managed to get get up and go to school every day. Mm, yeah. And uh, yeah, good I him. mean, it, it can be. It can be huge. And and a lot of the structures and the people that we have around, um, you know, families, um, aren't don't have those tools to be able to deal with these big things that happen to young people and to their parents. Um, and you're absolutely right. What you were saying before, like. We yeah we work with people who yeah for whatever reason get stuck or caught or can't see beyond an experience that they've gone through and I mean I really think the core of counselling is inviting people to step into more reflective space you know to become more aware or self-reflective and when they're able to do that they're able to make decisions about how they want to deal with this experience or how they want to view it. Yeah. in their lives and I mean that's what really at the core that's what we're doing we're inviting people to be more self-aware yeah it's, it's interesting the, the counselling that you do and so this is something that just come into my head now is would you say this types of counselling I'm sure you get a myriad of clients but this is a real tough area that you're working in which is you know uh, the, the sort of grief counselling mm-hmm. sort of major thing and particularly with children because children are less likely to have formed an identity and all the rest of it and be able to they don't even know what they're thinking yeah from one minute to the next yeah i mean do, do you feel sometimes i i'm mean, not on, on you on your course maybe you might bump into a few buddies from the counseling course that you i think you've got a master's in counseling mm-hmm. Um, so you might see some of the people around the track. So do you feel like they're again, having an easier time of it than you are? <laughs> like working uh, in a nice part of town, someone's come to them and said, I've got this vague malaise mm, in my life. Yeah. But then I think um, I run into my buddies who are in child safety and I think they probably look at me and think I'm doing yeah, easier yeah. work than back then. Yeah. No, I, I, yeah, listen, that's always going to be around depending on what people do, but everyone you see their problem is the biggest one in the world for them, right? Yeah. So even if it's some yeah, nicer part of town or, you know, more first world kind of issue, that issue is still massive for that person. Yeah. Um, it's 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 not a competition. So no, I don't yeah, I no. don't I don't tend to go there. No, much, no, I David. just I just thought it was like, yeah. it, it's it's the certain jobs you can do, isn't there? Like yeah. I think it's, there's always certain jobs you can do that are, are, are harder or yeah. take more of you than others. It's like, for example, in the police force, 
you could be a not having to go at traffic cops. Yeah. Uh, Why not? Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, I will. Yeah. It's cause it's too easy. <laughs> it's just it's cheap shots, and I'm not going to do it. Uh, but a, tra- a traffic cop might sort of um, have di- you know different challenges. He's probably going to get everyone giving him abuse because yeah, of the yeah. day. But I imagine what to some of the scenes, some of these people uh, walk into with kids and stuff like that, particularly if you've got kids, must be incredibly traumatic. Mm. And you know, I think as a society, we probably we probably don't. No. Doff our captain enough. Same with pe- people who work with paediatrics, yeah. cancer wards, Most things definitely. like this. You know, it's and I, I don't. It's, it sounds dramatically glib when mm. I say it that way. No, no. But the price, there's a price there that I think sometimes society like is quite happy for them for, to pay and yes. not, not pick yeah. it up themselves. Most in general. But the uh, the other thing I was going to ask you about was in regards to scattle. Do are you? Purely work in Australia, or are you? Are you want, have you got an online presence? Are you working in in other places? Is it is it just just at the moment in Brisbane, or are you, are you working with anywhere? Yeah, else? the face to face work um, is predominantly in in Brisbane. Um, we do do a trip every year to India to Varanasi, where we've we've actually been there seven years in a row now um, with a team of counsellors that we go over. Uh, we take over each year, so they do a whole bunch of training with us in in Brisbane, and then they go over and work with a um, children's shelter uh, in Varanasi, and we've been connected with them for a number of years. So yeah, we do that work. Um, I personally, outside of Scaddle, um, Scaddle's kind of my day job, um, and then I also run counsellingathome.com, um, which I started four years ago, and that was Australia's first online counselling service, so that's a little bit of an aside, but that's a new space that I'm really passionate about. I suppose there are all ways of um, <clears throat> people being able to access help wherever they are. Um, and so we were like the first online service where you could have um, face-to-face video conferencing. Um, but yeah, Scaddle does a bit of that as well, depending on the client and where they might be. Some we've seen when they've been in Brisbane, maybe connected with the local hospital. And then when they've gone back home, um, you know, we've had ongoing conversations, but no, we're predominantly based in in Brisbane. Yeah, so the counselling at home, I, I, mm. have you found that? Is it? Is it? Oh, it's fascinating. Yeah, because yeah, it's it's that's one of them things where technology. I've taught online. Mm. Uh, I don't know. I I don't know. The kids would be who are taught would be a better judge of how good or bad it was or win. wasn't. Yeah. Um, and you know, you've got something to compare against. I've taught, I've taught online, and uh, have you found count? Is it is it radically different? Are you? Are you? No. I, I listened harder. That's what the only thing I did do. I listened harder. Yeah, yeah. Which for me, okay, I like the sound of my own voice. So, <laughs> and particularly in class, because I was looking at faces and reacting to faces, and yeah. probably the, the mood, general yeah. mood of the, the dynamic of lots of kids in a room. Mm. Uh, when it was in this digital space, I just thought I remember I had to be become more concise with my language. Yes, it doesn't sound like it in this podcast. I agree. And the other, the other thing was I had to sort of listen harder. Mm. So I've found um, that's really true. You're much more. Not much more present. I think the non-verbals don't get in the way as much or they're just not as present, you know, when, yeah. you, when you're not in a room together. So I'll tell you what really inspired me to start that service was, number one, there was a, a lack of that service available in Australia and I, I'm pretty techie and I love getting into that kind of nerdy stuff. So I thought, 
that was an opportunity. But uh, I had this guy who I saw on and off for about a year and he came in, he was a fly in fly out worker yeah. and he came in here um, to see me. And then um, the next session he said, oh, can we meet? Can we use Skype or whatever to, to meet? Because I'm going to be back at my job. And I said, yeah, that's fine. No worries. And we did a couple of sessions like that where I'd do one face-to-face when he was in Brisbane and then one when he was back in his job. And I said to him about so a couple of months into it, I said, how do, you, how do you find it, like the difference? Um, and he said, I actually, to be honest, I much prefer the, um, the one where we're on Skype because I, even though I know you're there, I don't have to eyeball you the whole time. I don't have to have you kind of looking at me. And he would often spend a lot of the session looking away at the wall or whatever and he just liked there was a bit of um depersonalization going on or something like that yeah and it really sort of got me thinking like maybe some people the the face-to-face counseling might actually get in the way you yeah know, of them accessing help so i thought that was another great option yeah no i i do find um well it takes a lot of energy to look at people's body language and mm-hmm. if you're particularly anxious which i imagine like your clients are when they come to you, then they're gonna look at you, yeah, for approval or disapproval, yeah, yeah. or and, yeah. and as much as you try to hide it or not. I mean, imagine sitting there stony faced in front of them, yeah, like one of them statues on Easter Island. Then yeah. they, they they just that's even weirder. <laughs> so well, I mean, uh, it, yeah. it's about accessibility. It's about you know, for some people that can really get in the way, and so how can we offer ways for them to still be able to access help if they're too anxious or they feel like there's awkward you know it's awkward or whatever it might be so yeah that's yeah it's really prompted i that. mean at the end of the day i suppose it, it's 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 technology's allowing us you know as much as we criticize social media mm. and this ability to communicate on mass with lots of people at once. I mean, there's there's issues in and around that, but there's, there's, I, I'm I'm not one of these people. Sort of, I think some technology has liberated. Yeah. Certainly, I, I mean, I'm, most of my learning I do on most I listen online yeah. now. Most that's most of my learning. Most yeah. of the things that me knowledge and COVID. Yeah. Anyway, no, my sense is definitely technology has far more pros for connecting us than cons. Like there are obvious ones that are being thrown around now with social media about all our young people can't talk and all this kind of rubbish but the pros of connecting people have been and connecting people to knowledge and ideas is you know come on it's pretty yeah. obvious how big it's been i think it's like anything else you the, the kids are swimming in this media mm. medium sorry of 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 online media and mass social media and mm. we sw- swam in it well I certainly swam in a different environment. Yeah. I had a ZX81. That was the first computer I had. Oh, ZX yeah. Spectrum, <laughs> okay. yeah. And um, so we weren't talking, you know, and yeah. that, that you know, it's just, it, they're going to have to be different. They yep. will do things differently. And I'm, and I sound like it's, I'm being a bit postmodernist there and nothing's right, nothing's wrong. I think there's a, there's a, there's a, a left or right of arc of what's acceptable. Yep. And some kids, I think it will encourage mm. them not to talk because yep. they've got that propensity to do that anyway and other drama kids who who perhaps are i would refer to in teaching as a drama king or queen Mm. um online media allows them to 
almost explode you yeah, know on, onto yeah. it and i think and that, everything in between yeah right? yeah like, like anything yeah there's going to be the extremes and then all the gray area in between so so it, i think it might certain groups might be at risk certain groups will, what will probably will improve the life mm, totally. um, but i don't think we we, we we know enough about it yet we haven't had enough data on it yet it. anyway so tools for hard conversations this is so you've been writing a book and mm. I know you're running courses at Scat yeah. at Scat the location with the Scatleys. Yeah. This tools for hard conversation. You've got a website. I've got a, yeah, I've got a website. No, we're still connected with Scattle through the website. We're we're developing a standalone website, but we're not quite there yet. I've been focusing on the book lately. Yeah, so I'll put all the links up for yeah, the, the website and stuff like that. And the, and uh, have you got a you? I don't know if you got a YouTube for tools for hard conversations. Yeah. We have a um, online course that we're about to launch as well, okay. so that's probably more where we've put the video work. So yeah, that's so I'll, I'll I'll put some links up for that. Yeah. But anyway, but this is this is really one of the reasons I want to talk to you because this is this is I call it radar and reality. Yeah. How do we get closer to what's going on? Mm. Just because you're having a conversation with someone doesn't necessarily mean you're going to know the truth. Mm. But you're probably going to get a little bit closer to the truth. Yep. Or you're at least going to admit what's false. Mm. Um, you can say, well, that's not true. Um, and this is, you know, I remember, I remember sometimes when I was teaching, I felt like, um, it was, it was the copper with the Mac and he had, he had, uh, sort of a squint in his eye. Do you remember he, he died? Well, probably died a while ago. This is a cultural, anyone, a real life guy. No, he was on TV. Oh, okay. He had, he had a big Mac. He was, he, I've got one more question for you. Uh, <laughs> Not Columbo or something. Col uh, yeah, it might have been, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I always felt like we, you'd be, the kids you'd be investigating a pen yeah. going missing on a calculator. There'd be some little drama. Yeah. You'd be, and you'd go around and you'd ask, and you'd, you'd end up investigating. Yeah. I just have to ask him a question. He'd have to have these conversations with him. One of the best conversations I've ever had with these two kids. I'd lost it. And I just said to him, right, you two can stay behind with me for the next two hours while I suck. They've been fighting. I set out all the paperwork. And I'm going to call your parents. Because every time you have one of your little tiffs in school, um, like the two boys fighting, I said, you can... You can stay behind with me while I do all the paper trail. Oh, you had yeah, to do all the paper yeah, trail, yeah, all the yeah, paperwork. Yeah. You call in parents and like I, th I think it, they started to appreciate. It was quite a different tact they took with him. Yeah. I didn't tell them they were wrong for fighting because mm. uh, I actually had gone beyond that. They were yeah. wrong for making me work making late. Making work more, yeah. <laughs> the consequence yeah, is going to yeah. be you're going to sit here while I yeah. do all the work you've created. Yeah. yeah, so that was that was it. And and then they went, oh yeah, I didn't realise it took that long to sort out. So yeah, there you go. So um, well played. Yeah, but that was yeah, we, and I think it was one of them conversations. It was you know it, it was a it was it's, it's, it's a sort of trivial. I don't want to get too deep for some hard conversations I had or too personal about hard conversations I've had, but it was a kind of trivial conversation I had with these two lads, but it was a difficult conversation, a different conversation. Mm. Now, what, what, why do you think people find it hard to have, inverted commas, a hard conversation? What, what do you think some of the barriers are to having a difficult conversation? Imagine... It's a family scenario, and maybe mm. a member of the family is not doing something you quite like. What, what, what's the mate from your experience? What's the major things that they find hard? My most simple answer would be they've never had to do it before. So something's come up. You were talking before about, you know, the majority of people that I might get to see 
um, are going through things that, you know, it's their perspective of the world or their reality at that time. And so to be able to talk about that or challenge it or change it, they have to have some willingness to go there and have someone in their life who, I don't know, is experienced enough to do that, right, to go there. Um, so I think the biggest thing, it's really simple. It's, you know, we could we could wax lyrical about it all day, I'm sure, but it's really simple. They've never had to do it before. They've never thought about it before. Or the thought of it makes them, wow, that's so big. I don't know, you know, I'm, I don't know what to say. I, you hear that all the time with grief and loss that, um, you know, when somebody dies, a lot of people around them will say, I didn't know what to say to their wife or I didn't know what to say to their at the funeral or whatever it might be because they've never had to before. So I think that really gets in the way and it, with a lot of people, just stops them from ever trying. I, I rather cruelly call cru- I don't think it's cruelly. I call that the Nuremberg grief defence. Okay. I think, I think it's... Uh, it's people the i don't know what to say thing. yeah i think yeah. it's it's okay everyone said that it seems to get them out of it i was only following orders um yeah i've yeah. just compared people don't talk to people at funerals to nazis mm. so i have to have the hard conversation that's why i find it interesting the tools for hard conversations yeah, yeah. I, I i have to have that difficult I so maybe that. one of the tools should be <laughs> discerning when we should and should not have have said hard conversation <laughs> there's certainly been um times in my recent life where i wish I had backed away from the hard conversation rather than been so willing to have it. It can be a tool within itself. I think there's a certain self-gratification in that, that I do have. So to, to say what I think, yep. what's on my mind. Yep. And I'm doing it for myself sometimes. I'm not yep. doing it to make the situation better. No, no. Um, I suppose when we talk about it um, in the book and in our training and in everything we do, we're predominantly talking about it um, for professionals. So for people like me and uh, social workers and school counsellors and teachers and everyone in what we'd call human services with how they can have hard conversations with the clients, with the families, with the young people that they see regularly. Um, And we're trying to offer tools that make that easier and hoping that, you know, down the line that can also transfer over to people in their own lives and how they might have hard conversations with their own families or whatever it might be. Okay. So mm. that, now I'm going to get onto personality types because this oh, is, yeah. this is where I've got, this is sort of backs onto what I'm saying is, mm-hmm. is, is, have you heard, I'm sure you have heard of this. I'm sure if, if you read around uh, the big five personality types, mm-hmm. um, fans of Joe Peterson will probably, uh, be aware of it and it's it's so there's agreeableness which is compassion and politeness conscientiousness which is industrial i can't i hate these words with ness on the end industrialness and odd or orderliness mm-hmm. extroversion enthusiasm and assertiveness uh, neuroticism withdrawn and volatility openness to experience openness and intellect and i mean i'm not going to explain them all there's this this websites that'll go through this but i think assertiveness is the one yeah. I find interest. Some people just aren't assertive. They can't assert themselves. Mm-hmm. So what, without giving all the your tricks, your trade away, mm-hmm. what, if I walked into you, I sat down and just, because I'm not, right, and I said, I'm just not assertive. I just can't say, I'm really angry about something or mm-hmm. something's really upset me or I'm sad about this or whatever it is, I just can't say to this person. Mm-hmm. 
I just can't say what it is, you know. And it could be something quite trivial in 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 your mind or my mind. But yeah. what, how would you what how would you help them? What 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 would it be a long process or a short process? So that really you know depends on the person and the situation, um, and how willing they are to make change in their life or try different things. But as far as you know, assertiveness goes. I think of it in terms a bit of what we were talking about before, where you can only be as assertive as you are clear on how you feel about a situation. You just said then, you know, if you really, this person's really angry about something and they really want to get that across to someone else, but this assertiveness is, you know, not around and they're not able to jump in there, well, maybe they haven't got clear enough on. Um, what it is they want to say and how they want to do it. Um, and that's what I feel like I would focus on. So I see people all the time. I actually had a client just yesterday who was talking, she used a different word, but around this kind of idea of being assertive and being willing to bring up things that um, might be bothering her. This was in a work context. And yeah, I just really focused on breaking down what, what it was she was, you know, so annoyed about or perturbed by with this this um, particular situation, um, what it was that she wanted to say, and what that said about what was important to her. So I, I always want to link it back to people's intrinsic values and beliefs about themselves, because that's really powerful stuff. When you can link it to something, it 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 just shifts the dynamic of a conversation. So I feel like if I focus on assertiveness as one thing that's like focusing on the problem and hoping we can make the problem better i focus much more on what's this person's strengths what's their values what's their beliefs what have they done in their life that's worked and then that naturally the clearer they get on that will have them being more assertive in their own unique way okay so would you see because i'm of the opinion that some of this is well, I do believe some of it. Oh, some of this is ge- it's genetic. It's just you just uh, mm-hmm. I'm I'm gonna push back now, Adrian. Um, it's just genetic. It's just uh, and I've 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 witnessed it mm-hmm. and I've witnessed mm-hmm. it in, in life in general. Different jobs I've done and over the years, just yeah. friends I've had, and they just won't in particular scenarios assert themselves. Yeah. And actually, when you start to look at the lives, it's in a lot of scenarios. They just won't assert their opinion, mm. and you know, and when it, when they do give you an opinion, you're never hundred percent sure if it's true anyway, or they're just trying to sort of think, I'll say this much mm. and look at it. Dave's. They give me his example. I'll say it to Dave. I'll look at his face, and I'll see what response I get, and I'll give him what he kind of wants. You mm. know, I'll read mm. his face and I'll give him what he wants. I'll so, you know, because mm. uh, at the weekend I got me. Uh, I've got a friend, and you know, we had a. Invert. It wasn't a robust comment. It didn't even bother me to be honest. It was just I'd, I'd done something. I got picked up. I've been picked up. I don't mind being picked up by other people for things I've done wrong. It, mm. But it's interesting. That people people are tentative around me to do that, and I don't think what my, what vibes am I giving off? Maybe I'll because I'll push back if I think they're wrong. So I sometimes to give you a question on our little uh, ramp after that little ramble is. When do you assess it's working? So, like, say, I've come to you, I've, I've done my tools for our conversations, I'm working, maybe I'm working in, uh, in, in the human services. 
what would you define as success that a person has managed to have a hard conversation? How would you? What? How would oh, you? Oh, easy. When they tell me, yeah. when they tell me that it's it's worked, or they were able to share um, what they were, what they wanted to when they got in touch with what was important to them. I mean, the example I gave before, and linking it a bit to what you were just sharing, it's just so individual. You know, what you consider being assertive. Um, and looking at someone whose genetics don't allow them to be um, assertive, so, yeah, 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 is so. I mean, that's your radar on reality, right there. I mean, that's the the way you see the world. For someone else, being able to say to their manager, "I want to finish at four p.m. on Friday, not five p.m., so I can go and pick my kids up earlier," that might be the greatest assertiveness. Um, conversation that they've ever had in their lives yeah yeah and so it's so specific and so of course whenever we talk about this stuff when they say I want to be more assertive that's so general I want to get really clear on what that means for them how they would know they're being assertive and then link it to ways that they've done it at other times in their life what's worked what hasn't worked and getting in touch as I said before on that values and beliefs because the purely by virtue of saying, I want to be assertive about um, this thing with a colleague, for example, that says to me that there's hope. Like you've, you've gotten clear that you want to have a conversation with this person that's going to make a change, that's going to have your life better. So how are we going to do that? Yeah. You know? So Rather it's almost than, like they've, it's, 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 it's sort of working its way through the subconscious yeah, somewhere. Yeah, because maybe yeah. if you're able to have that conversation, you'll be able to have... 10 others that you want to yeah but bef- let's not just work on this vague concept of assertiveness let's work on specific anchors if you like that would tell you that you're being more assertive in your life yeah i i think that is the other thing is you have to be clear what you mean by being assertive yeah uh because um i'm trying to think of scenarios where people have been assertive i just think they've been rude yeah yeah and i've just said the other well, you know, I've yeah. probably told them they're being rude. Other times I've sort of shied away from it, yeah. for maybe because they're physically bigger than yeah. me. Or I, I, I had a colleague, right, who decided she wanted to be much more confident and assertive. And she tipped over into just being rude because she'd build herself up so much to say the big thing that <laughs> yeah. would come out all wrong and it would actually knock her confidence more. And I think that's what happens when we focus on the simple problem as opposed to the many varied solutions that you might have. Like she was just trying to do something that she wasn't very good at doing yeah. as opposed to working out how have I been assertive even a little bit in other parts of my life and how can I do that a bit more in yeah. the way I want to do it that lines with my values and beliefs, not with this vague concept of being assertive and strong and all that it, stuff. It's, it's funny you should say that. I've, I've, my, uh, uh, I suppose, boxing coach, for want of a better phrase, and friend, um, he talks about having a reference because yeah. what he tries to teach, because because the ultimate assertion, if you will, would be to strike someone. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, language, I think I, I think violence, physical, like a, a boxing match, or you know, if you're in a martial arts competition, or if you're working security on a door, or whatever, a police officer, and you have to physically intervene. That's the ultimate in assert, you assert your presence. Yeah 
ultimately that. And he oh. said he tries to find them to give references. I think that's the easiest way to be assertive myself for that. Uh, we, we, we we, we, well, it is and it isn't for different people. I think that's, I think that's but what, if, if you're going to be, <laughs> this is one of the funniest things. If you're going to box, you have to hit people. Yeah. Now, you might not want boxing in the world. Um, I'm rather partial to it. I don't want to get rid of cricket in the world, but I know a lot of people are partial to it. Um, but it's that's fine. But like, say, to say, for example, if you're going to jump in a boxing ring, you have to sort of walk, at some point you have to jump in and go, okay, well, hey, I'm going to get hit. Which for some people, ironically, is not that much of a problem. Yeah. The bigger problem for them is to actually hit another so, person. Yeah, sure. It's to actually and 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 if they're particularly if they're nice people being brought up by society, you know, and and. And when you're training, sometimes you're not doing your, your partner any favor if you don't try and hit them properly because they're, mm. they're practicing so they a defense. Like. Yeah, yeah, they're practicing a defense that won't work in the yeah. real situation. They all talk about these reference points. So mm. it's interesting you yeah. spoke about go back to a time in life when you were assertive. Yeah. And I think probably most people have said no. I remember, I remember being in uh, America years ago. I was in Washington, and Washington at the time was very, very poor and i think it probably would have been i mean it's always been poor and i was aspects of it being poor but i think it was having particular i think it was one that had the highest sort of death rates yeah yeah but, you know it was yeah it was out you know it was really really sort of, sort of tough old manner which a lot of people didn't realize and I, I think um this guy was trying to he wouldn't get out of my way mm. and i didn't know what to do and I remember I just swore in his face, don't say, I told him to fuck off, but really loud and really aggressively. And it came almost out of me because I was quite a long haired hippie type at that time. Uh, I've just got no hair now, and I'm definitely not a hippie type. But um, I, I remember it came from, no, it came from somewhere. Mm. And as I, as I talked to you now, I think it made, maybe I've referenced that before because I was so frightened. Because yeah. where I was, I was by myself. I was in a brand new country, brand new city. This yeah. guy was, he was just trying it on, mm. you know. Then he got out of my way then. And he, mm. Oh, I, this guy's, up, you know, he was trying it on. He was, he was, he was hustling. I, I don't, you know, I don't hold it personal against him. Um, but I did shout and I found that. And I think I've, at that reference point, yeah, it came from somewhere. I don't know where so it came from. that would be from. a great re- reference point. Yeah, it's a nice term. Like it's. I said experience before, you know, people won't have hard conversations about or can't about stuff they haven't experienced. So maybe the better term is re- a reference point. So if I heard that story from you yeah. and you were talking to me about not being able to be assertive with your boss or something, how did you, you know, really question, how did you, what was that thing that happened that day and how would you do that in your current position Maybe in a slightly more uh, social <laughs> Fuck off! way. Yeah. But how can you tap back into yeah. that? I mean, that sounds really primal. Yeah. Like you were scared. Yeah. That was your was. response. Well, you've got an experience then. Yeah. You've got something to refer to, a reference point that we can make bigger and change into how you're going to apply that to your life now. Yeah. It was, it's, it's interesting. It was like, yeah, you can ride that. Sometimes I think you can ride that fear. Mm in a bit like a horse and these yeah. these these uh i'm using sort of metaphor there but i, I found because uh, I, I got into the martial arts and the boxing and i wasn't i'm not by no means a tough guy um and a part of it was because i did have a sort of fear of physical violence yeah. Yeah. um 
because I've probably seen all I seen a bit of it in the local area where I was brought up and stuff. I'm not mm. trying to make out I was brought up in the ghetto or anything. It's just not. It's just. It's good old fashioned. Real, real men. Yeah. Real men, hard drinking, working class area, um, knocking each other out when someone gets out of line. It was just that kind of place. Mm. And um, yeah, I wasn't into that. I was, you know, I was a bit more of a bookish sort of pale type. And um, I, yeah, I got into the old martial arts and it was. Yeah, it was interesting. That them reference points you're trying to yeah, find. Yeah. You know, I think fear and thinking, well, if well, it's it, a great motivator. Yeah, it is. Yeah. yeah, it is. So, um would there be any other key if someone's listening someone's listening to this now and said, Oh, too far conversations, I've just I've got no reference points in my life or yeah. or I don't I just don't I don't get it. Would there be another thing you can say from the course that you do, like one big pick point you'd like to pick out the people have you thought about this or try this would there be would there anything like an example like that you you would like to share or you think yeah you well i mean i have to be um careful because as i said a lot of what we offer so far is definitely targeted towards other human service workers so we focus a lot on um their tools their processes things that they do day to day and how they want to um, change them or make them bigger um, to be able to have more hard conversations with their clients or with their colleagues but on a really general level and I've said it a few times but I'll say it again I think it's about you know really sitting down and thinking about the hard conversation that you want to have and how you want to do that I, I know it sounds funny but I think it's something that people don't do like they might have this um, big hard conversation that they need to have um, with their father or their yeah. you know partner or something and it just sits there and there it the focus is all on I can't do this or I'm scared to do this or I'm scared of what the outcome might be well come on now let's sit down and plan and think about what is the outcome I want from this why is this so important to me why why has this become such a big focus for me why has it been bouncing around in my head and, you know, maybe I need to talk to someone about that to get it clarified a bit or I need to sit down with a pad and paper and do it. I mean, I often advise people um, who need to have a hard conversation to put it in writing as a starting point. You know, it takes the, the thing that gets in the way for people more than anything is all that build up, all that emotion that's been able to fester around the things that are important to us, the hard conversations that we have to have. So the more we can try and pull out of that and not have the emotion influencing it as much, the more strong, the stronger we feel in being able to confront these kind of things. I really, I see it over and over that when you can get clear on what you want to be different as a result of this hard conversation, it, the emotion just sort of goes away to some extent where it's not as loaded. Um, yeah, that's, I think, a really important part yeah. of it. Some planning and thought. I, I'm I'm desperately trying not to make fighting analogies with you because I know you I don't I know you don't enjoy them but um, it's I, I can think of a young fellow. Um, That's an assumption, by the way. <laughs> I, I, I watched Jeff Horn on the weekend. And <laughs> yeah. I, I yeah yeah no That's he, he's a good he, he's a good example actually of 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 a guy who 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 turned up at the boxing club and yeah. was having a few dramas in his life and I think it, it helped him out but yeah. I do believe in that physical. 
training, that type of training, mm. it, it, it becomes a metaphor or a reference point for other things sure. in your life. Yep. And as a young fella... It can definitely harden you to yeah. other experiences, maybe yeah. when you've been smacked in the head a few times. Yeah, but I've got another mate, he's, he was a, he's, a, he's a major, was a, was a major in the army. Left it years ago, but he was so used to being shouted at. Didn't bother him? <laughs> in office, everything piped up in, in the office. He was just like, Someone shouting at me. This is not as bad yeah, as yeah, a yeah. as the warrant officer shouting at me in training. You know, he said he said so. Then he was he was fine. Then dealing with these scenarios because yeah. of that, uh, that was someone shouting. But there's a young guy I was thinking about. He was terrified about this boxing fight, and I think it was being in front of people. And once he went out or being in front of people, being hit, what's going to happen? How's he going to react? And once he got in. He was fine. And he said afterwards he couldn't believe the time he wasted mm. worrying about this. About that, and I think yeah. that's part and parcel. But, you know, obviously, if you put yourself in harm's way, it's, it's, it, that's slightly different. But most conversations, you aren't going to put yourself in harm's way, are you? That's, <laughs> that's, that's, that's the thing. It's yeah. the most difficult conversations. Yeah. Most yeah. are not going to be difficult to the point where you're going to get yourself mm. physically injured or, or, or sort of, you know, lose, lose mm. everything, you know, mm. be it sort of, you know... You know, it, it's well, it's never like, nearly as bad as the build-up that we've had in our head of you know how this might go and all the eventualities that never come about, um, and that's why sitting down and doing a bit of self-reflection and planning and thought into anything, you know, yeah. is what makes it possible. Yeah, and for some reason, when it's really emotive topic, um, that seems to be the first thing that goes out the door. And when you say to someone, maybe jot jot down 10 dot points of what you'd like to say or what you know what's you know the focus going to be it's just it it's amazing the change it's, it can it's have. a change of, of writing stuff down do you, do you ever well, not just of... writing stuff down but the planning of it the yeah. thought actually i could totally do that i can see myself saying that i've just never got past that's going to be a really hard conversation. Yeah, you haven't even. <laughs> it's 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 almost like it's it's it sounds like to me what you're saying is, uh, you've got in your head. Mm. Is that there's a bottom level would be this is just too hard. I'm not going to do it. Yeah. Then you might practice the card conversation in your head, a few times. You know, play out the scenario. Then get, you might actually get clear on yeah, a few key points that you want to get across, yeah. and then you put. Then you go to the next level, which might be, like you say, even writing it down. I'm, I know I've written to letters to people, mm. but it's been really hard sometimes. Mm. I remember in a few points in my life, I've, I've written yeah. letters to people. Uh, I've got a mate who <laughs> wrote a letter, and this was the thing. It was, write a letter, put it in the drawer, and if you're not happy with it, don't send it. Yeah, yeah. The next day, you've slept on it. Yeah. Well, she wasn't happy with the letter. <laughs> So she ripped it up. She's a counsellor now, by the way. She ripped it up, put it in a bin. And this person, I think she was sharing a room with this person. And this person found the letter that she'd ripped up in the bin. Oh, this wow. is the day before the internet and all the awesome. rest of it, right? I think. So then, obviously, the difficult conversation had to be had. Yeah. And it was it was on steroids then. But uh, now, it's, yeah. it's, uh, it, it is interesting. Now, the... the, the uh, this refl- I think I was gonna. I, I don't know if I've asked you this yet, but the thing about reflect. Have you met people in your job? You've seen a lot of clients, and you just think, "Wow, this person can't reflect." 
and I, I, I'm actually thinking of a, of, of a few people in my life where mm. sim, I think it's called, is it symbolic thinking mm. where you you think symbolically you might you might yeah. sort of give them a metaphor to try and explain to them what what they've done wrong or you mm. know this some I think some people just have the way the the brain's wired find it incredibly difficult. Mm. Have you met anyone who you, you def- sort of find that way you just can't no. reflect or no. find it very difficult to I reflect think, i think no my simple answer is no because a real fundamental belief of my practice and of uh, postmodern counseling practice if you want to get all wordy about it, is that we all have what we call meaning making skills that we're always making meaning of the world around us from little children to you know really old people we are all making meaning of our reality at any given time. And so I often think if I'm um, hitting a roadblock with somebody, somebody's willingness to reflect on their life and have a bit more self-awareness, I, I don't know, as a counsellor, I think I'm not asking the right questions here yeah. or I'm not offering the right metaphor. Or I'm, maybe I need to bring some visual stuff in here because this person thinks in a more visual way. I'm a very wordy person, you know. Yeah. So I've got to be careful of that. No, I, I don't. I, I think, of course, there's different skill levels in anything. Um, I mean, I hope that myself and my colleagues are very good at being self-reflective and self-aware. Yeah. I think you have to be to even want to step into the counselling room. But, um, yeah, no, I, no I, I think people are inherently self-reflective. They just might not be ready to share it yet, David, because yeah. they're worried they're going to... Be judged, scare you, or yeah, 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 yeah. judged, or yeah. be thought of in some negative way, and it's my job to make them feel safe and to invite that reflection yeah. in ways that work for them. Yeah, do you know, I, I just you got me something about feeling safe. There, there was a years ago, there was a documentary on in the UK. This was the X the Revolution in the UK, which was a beat of late eighties, early nineties, and um, I watched it because. Uh, Bernard Sumner from New Order was in it, and I love New Order. Yeah, yeah. And he was taking, uh, I think, Prozac because he had writer's block for an electronic album. I don't know what was going on. <laughs> and it was, it was an interesting show, but they had a guy on. They started talking about ecstasy. Uh, and I think you might know more about this than me. I don't know. MDMA. Uh, MDMA. Oh, the life of me. I've got, anyway, the letters. I've forgotten. I've got the letters. MDMA. I should know. I've got a degree in biochemistry. I should know. MDMA. Yeah, thank you. Um, and um, they took extremely low doses. Yeah. And then they had counselling sessions. Mm-hmm. And there was a, somewhere, obviously, tr- Holland. You yeah, imagine, sort of. Of course. And uh, this is where they got these amazing, sort of, well, they said it was amazing results from these. And it's starting to come back in vogue again mm, now with, yeah. with, with certain uh, psychotropic drugs. Psychedelics, yeah. Yeah. That 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 they're starting to get better counselling things, and I I often wonder whether you you talked about this judgment of you. Mm. I think you you I'm talking about you, Adrian, the counsellor, as opposed to. I think I think when we say things, we have a, a judgmental. Noam Chomsky talked about mental organs uh, and language being a mental organ, mm. and I mean a lot of people don't know Noam, Noam Chomsky's famous for his linguistics uh, in in academia as he is this sort of this sort of left wing stalwart um but actually it's stuff he did on language is fascinating he spoke about having mental organs for language and things like that i wonder if you've got a mental organ to judge yourself yeah 
and whether some people's judgment is so harsh and mm. cruel. Yeah. And I'm just, just, I'm, I'm just, I'm just blue sky thinking here with you, buddy. And uh, and I, and I think that's the th- to get through that. To get through that judgment, I'm not saying. I'm, by the way, I'm not saying run out and take ecstasy. I'll, I'll be so, I'm not. I'm not saying that. <laughs> Neither I'm just am I, saying. Just yeah, for yeah, the yeah, yeah. Drink heavily. Take take <laughs> meth ice. Um, um, it is 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 that, that self judgment is the is the most um, is is the is, is, it's almost no, it's tyrannical. Huge. It's, it's almost huge. tyrannical. Yeah. And the people who you you know you said. Have I worked with people who aren't able to self-reflect? No, I haven't. I've worked with people who are terrified to share their self-reflections. Yeah, you know, for fear of that, the, the, because the, the you know, they've obviously yeah. had experiences in the past that haven't worked out well when yeah. they have shared. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is yeah. about that safety as well, and maybe breaking down some of those walls of um, judgment that have been around for them. Um, letting them see that you know maybe you can have small wins that all of a sudden have you in a different place where you can have harder conversations and yeah. not be fearful. So it sounds it sounds like I do think what this what I was into your tools for hard conversations is what I was interested in it was free speech mm. is so important. I think to you as an individual, an individual's health. Now, obviously, if I say what do you something, mean, free speech. Well, I'm just going. I'm just about to expand on that. Okay. I mean, I said if I, you know, because it's it exactly what do we mean by free speech? Sometimes you need to need to have an environment where one can feel comfortable enough to express an idea. Yeah. I regularly say stuff because I I do verbalize quite regularly, um, <laughs> and uh, and I go, oh, go I, I don't actually think that. Yeah. No, I, I've, I've vocalised it. I'm, as, you're as processing out loud. Yeah. So anyone who processes out loud, like yourself, is at the risk, at the risk of, of of being torn down. But you need to have an environment where what you can do that. And this is this is this is, and I think come back to what you said about kids mm. and social. You know, you, when you work with kids, like kids just talking together. Yeah. Uh, it's probably a, a space. Is you know, you think with your friends or you're forming these ideas, particularly when you're a younger person, such an important environment where you go, actually, well, I don't actually think that. Mm-hmm. Or talking to a friend you can trust, you bounce an idea off them mm-hmm. and you go, actually, I, I, I don't actually think that. Or I think a little bit of that sometimes, but that's not all me. And just because you have a thought, it's not you. Mm. I mean, that's what I was sort of referring to before with the getting the ideas out, putting them in a place, whether it's writing them down or talking to someone about it. I, I just think it's so critical to hear ourselves say things that might have been bouncing around in our head for however long, say them out loud or record them somehow yeah. on a piece of paper, just changes the conversation with it. And that's the, we call it externalising in, in counsellor language. We want to externalise experiences um, so that they are separate to us or that we have a little bit of space so it's not your assertiveness or your lack of whatever or your depression. We want to get a little bit of space between them um, so that we're able to have a, a conversation about the relationship we want to have with that thing. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, that's the power of just getting a thought out of our head and going, I don't actually believe that. That's yeah. not what I meant or that's not, I'm saying that and I'm processing out loud. A lot of people don't get that opportunity. Yeah. Yeah, and you're not as strong as you, David. Oh, mate, yeah, 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 yeah whatever. <laughs> but um, but it, it's 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 interesting. 
it, it is it is an interesting thing. I think free speech is is it starts. You know, it is for for an individual to be healthy, they have to be able to speak freely. Yeah, yeah. Without and and find environments where they can speak freely. Yeah. And then you might find that person like I had a friend. Just the last thing I want to say is that I had a friend who went through a particularly difficult and strange divorce. It was a strange divorce. I, I'm not going to go into the okay. details of it, but he he told me he just did video recordings. Yeah, yeah. So he he might have a a bad most nights, and then he watch it the next day. Yeah. And go, I don't think that. I don't think that. Yeah. That's a lot of bollocks. Yeah. You know, uh, yeah. and and he said he was so you know poor lad was suffering. Yeah. He was it, you know what wasn't nice what happened to him, and he almost sort of externalized using technology at the yeah. time. We were talking video the old sort of uh, and. Uh, videotape recorders mm. and he watched himself and just went, no, I don't really think that. That's a beautiful that. example of, yeah. you know, practicing hearing myself process these things in the medium that I'm most comfortable with um, and then making a decision, is that actually who I am? Is that yeah. what I'm about? Um, is that how I want to be? Yeah. Or do I want to, you know, change it somehow? That's a beautiful, yeah, beautiful example. Okay, so on that note, uh, if you're interested in the way that Adrian does, I'll put some links on the website. And um, I'd just like to thank you for your time, Adrian, yeah, and all the best you. with your book. That's com- When's the book coming out? Uh, a couple of months. Couple we're, of we're, months. we're in the final editing slash publishing stage. It's very exciting. So okay, so we'll, before the end of twenty eighteen, we'll we'll, sure, we'll, we'll won't hold you to it. We'll okay. hold you to it before the end of no, twenty. No, I reckon by September. Yeah, that's September twenty. Yeah, so we, we'll hopefully any health professionals out there. Sorry, health or human profession. What do, human, what do you, human service workers. Sorry, mate. I need to keep up with the vernacular. Yeah, and so, um, yeah. and any out there, keep your eye out for it. Yeah. Thank, no. And thanks for having me today. It's been great. No worries. Thanks, mate. Take care. Hi, I am Patricia Schaefer, President of the Compassionate Friends Queensland. This podcast is for entertainment purposes as we are not qualified counselling professionals. We are a peer support group. If you feel the need to speak to someone after listening to our conversations, please contact our national helpline on 1300 064 068 or ring Lifeline on 13 one 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 four.